so welcome to Everybody's National Park, a podcast on adventure in our national parks. Uh, with me right now is Bailey uh, Schofield, and Bailey is with Zion Adventure Company, an outfitter at uh, Zion National Park that, in my view, when we were there, was ubiquitous. And so we thought it was, uh, we thought it, which is a good thing. So we thought it was great to get Bailey on the line. We'd love to get an insider's view on Zion. And Bailey, just to catch up to speed, uh, my, my high school friends and I were in Zion for a long weekend at the end of September into early October. Uh, we have already had a podcast with our trip report uh, regarding that. Nice. So now uh, that's just that. That was amateur. Yeah, that was amateur hour. So now with, with you on the line, we, we'd love to get your view. So, can you explain a little bit about yourself and Zion Adventure Company, and then and then we'll get into it? Yeah, sure. So uh, for myself, I've been with Zion Adventure Company for just completing up seven years, going into my eighth year or season, as we say here. Um, and I've done, you know, worn so many different hats with Zion Adventure Company. I came on originally as an outfitter, you know, handing people socks and shoes and giving them information about going and hiking in the Narrows and other hikes around the park, and then jumped into a little bit of the guiding, and I've been guiding for the last six years or so with them as well. Um, and then in the last couple of years, I've just jumped into some of the marketing side of things and um, being just starting to implement some more of that social media, getting the word out that we exist and um, that we're the experts in the area for people to come in and get all the information that they can. Um, as far as Zion Adventure Company goes, they've been around for about 20 years. Last year was our 20 year anniversary. Wow. Congrats. And, um, yeah, thank you. It was, it's been quite the journey since, at least for my small chapter here with Zion Adventure Company, I've seen a lot of evolution and a lot of growth and a lot of following too. We we get a lot of returning customers because they enjoy, you know, coming to Zion first and foremost, but they like to be educated with the right information and so we see a lot of familiar faces coming in the door which i really love um and i mean we've developed all sorts of different products anywhere anything from you know our original product of we need to get the right gear to people to go hike in the narrows so they can have a fun time instead of worrying about how cold their feet are and not realizing that they're surrounded by this magnificent beauty um and then we jumped into guiding people through these slot canyons of the Southwest. And we were the first ones to be, um, to actually produce that product. And it's a really, to be able to create moments and memories with people, um, and to have us experience it firsthand to have, you know, that, that glimmer of a child again, in every adult that goes into a Canyon, um, is, is really enjoyable for, for our staff. But I, but we get great feedback on, people who go doing trips with us. Well, well, um, yeah, I want to well. pull on that thread a little bit. Uh, and I want to get into sure. some, of, some of the hikes that you've, you've been a guide on and some of your opinions. But in my, and I'm probably leading the jury here, but in my opinion, you know, Zion obviously is a significant national park. You get significant visitors there every year. But yeah. it's, not, it's not one of the, the true iconic Yellowstone, maybe iconic is the wrong word, but it's, it's not the top of the chain, uh, you know, a Yellowstone, Yosemite, Smoky yeah. Mountains. But what I did find was with those who are, uh, who do go to Zion, that it has a pretty rabid following. So it's amazing how many people I've run into 
when I've we, <laughs> Daniel and I went to Zion way back in 2002 for the first time, and then I went last year. When you run into yeah. people who talk about Zion, they say that is that's the one. That's my favorite <laughs> park, and don't tell anybody, right? That's my favorite park, and some, you know, they they mention it somehow it's under the radar. It's not. You, what does it get? Four or five million people a year, but they mention yeah. as though it's under the radar, which no one's going to say Yosemite is under the radar. Do, do you have? I mean, you're there every day. Do you do you have that same experience? Yeah, I feel like I mean anything I say is a little bit biased because I've been here for so long and I'm in my own little bubble. Bias away. Go, go ahead, do it. <laughs> but. uh but I mean, I've seen some growth in the numbers, but um, I am one of those people like Zion is such a sanctuary and such a beautiful place that I mean, it touches everyone that comes through the very first time I came through Zion. It basically just smacked me in the face with how gorgeous it was yeah. and that I had to take a, a second look and a third look. And there's still a lifetime worth of exploration here. But I think that the way that the Zion national park has constructed its roads and its trails it keeps a good portion of the crowds in these different areas and for those who want to take those pictures and to go on a short stroll they can um get those things out of the park but then there's also those extremists or those um recreationalists that want to get into something really remote and they have a lifetime worth of you know exploring to get into those recreational spots where it is a bit more remote. So I think with that diverse, you know, that ability that Zion has to touch, like, everybody, um, it does, like, pull on those little heartstrings. Like, yes, it is pretty awesome. It is great. Um, but we still don't want anyone to know about it because it's something special to us. Right, <laughs> right. Well, well, yeah. well, let's start there. I, you know, we did, we did kind of the greatest hits hikes so we did angels landing we did yeah. the narrows we did the watchman trail and and then when I, I have a mental block on pronouncing this then we went up to Colob or Colob canyon Colob. Colob. yeah yeah I have a it's mental like block. a mix of the two yeah I have a, a total <laughs> mental block and we did some hikes up there so kind of the greatest hits and so yeah what are in terms of we didn't have time for backcountry we just stayed at the watchman yeah. campground what are some of your favorite um, at the risk of letting the word out, but that's the whole point of this is, uh, <laughs> what are some of your favorite backcountry hikes? Where do you pick them up? Uh, so, so what are, what are some of your views there or, or what are some of the hikes you've been a guide to that you really liked in the backcountry? Yeah. So, um, let me start with what we can guide in the backcountry. Um, and then we can move on to some more of those backcountry hikes that are actually inside of the park. Um, Zion Adventure Company and every guide service actually has um, is unable to guide in the backcountry. And so um, the national park will they have certain regulations and certain things that we have to go through and we want to abide by them. And we have a good relationship with the national park. We want to keep it that way. And so a lot of our backcountry experiences like canyoneering, like rock climbing, uh, mountain biking, Mm -hmm. and then some of those like remote backcountry hikes that you're asking about. Um, are outside of the boundary of the national park, but it is in a it is in areas where the topography is essentially the same. You got the same layers of rocks. Right. You've got slot canyons. You've got all of those things. Um, and so there are some places outside here that are national forest, bureau land management, um, and then some access to some private land as well, and some properties that we even own that we can only operate on as well. Um, And then when it comes to the backcountry hikes inside of Zion National Park, one of the biggest hits is the subway. Um, 
And yeah. with with the subway, like all of the other backcountry access or backcountry trails in the park, there is a permit required for a lot of those ones. The subway does require a permit to go either from the top down or from the bottom up. So um, as any sort of trail would work, the bottom up hike is a non-technical hike and it's a journey. You get to see all these different chapters that, um, you know, geology has played in the role of creating this canyon. And so you're dropping into the river, you're walking in and out of the water that's crystal clear, basically year round, um, you know, skipping over rocks, going from shore bank to shore bank, traveling through that riparian zone where you get a lot of that shade and you get springs and there's dinosaur tracks along the way. Um, and then this trail is about nine miles round trip. You hike up four and a half, five-ish miles and you get to the actual subway feature where the water has carved out through mm. the sandstone, basically this tunnel that looks very similar to the New York subway. Yeah. Um, and it's got pools of crystal blue water and there's beautiful algae growing and you can sit in the pools. Yeah, um, barely, and I'm like, as long as it doesn't smell like the New York city subway. And I, I, we can yes. say, we can say that as, <laughs> as New Yorkers, I think we're, we're Daniel and I are allowed to say that, but my heart would just break if it ever smelled <laughs> like that. And, and, but to be clear, I, I, one thing I want to, I wanted to ask you on, so you said a, a technical hike, are you referring to, you have to have some basic proficiency in canyoneering? For the subway hike? Yeah. Yeah. Right. For that's only for the top down, however, not for the bottom not up hike that I'm describing up. now. Okay. Correct. Oh, all right. All right. I didn't, yeah. All right. Because we, we looked at the subway and I thought either we need, I know we needed a permit for either, but I thought you needed to do, and we just couldn't get our act together to, to, to get a canyoneering lesson or two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Correct. Right. Well, that, yes, right, so. you are educated in that. Like you, there. You, because no one can guide the subway, um, and if you don't have those skills of technical canyoneering, which is you know the vertical world, working with ropes and harnesses and anchors and you know things like that, so um, it's not really a smart idea for you to go in without any sort of education there. So right. and, being and, able to get a course and things like that is is good, but then you have to go through the national park and get the permit as well. And and I assume that all of the uh, all of the harnesses gear are available from the good people at Zion Adventure Company for canyoneering? Yes. And there's kind of, uh, so we like to provide you with an education and, you know, give you some sort of class and a course to go through to prepare you for mm -hmm. a canyon like that. The subway is actually what we call an introductory canyon. Like it's good for somebody who just wants to try it out. Yeah. The technical part of that canyon is, you know, entry level. It's not, you're not going to be doing anything. You're not going to be doing really big repels. Um, about how you got big? About 30, about 30 feet is your yeah. biggest one. Yeah. And um, there are things you have to be mindful about before you enter into a canyon like that. Like what is the flash flood potential? What is the weather doing that day? How many people are actually going in there? Um, and what equipment do I need? Like wetsuits and dry suits, depending on the time of year. You'll definitely want some of that. The water can be quite cold. Right. Right. Well, if it if if it makes you feel any better, we uh, it's funny you mentioned that. It, and I I did notice that it was a beginner canyoneering uh, hike at this, and it was reinforced because our neighbors at Watchman Campground, uh, they asked they were serious canyoneers and oh uh, yeah, super serious and. 
yeah. uh, you know, we were just a bunch of guys going out for hikes. And so they asked us what we were going to do. And we were, we were saying, well, you know, if we can figure it out, we'd love to do the subway. And <laughs> this woman rolled her eyes at us because I guess it was such a, uh, in her view, this expert can- <laughs> And and for me it was you know give me a break you know I've, I've never done it before <laughs> you got to start somewhere <laughs> don't roll your oh. eyes at me oh yeah well, we took it <laughs> I laughed at it. it we took it in good cheer but uh, but good. again you got to start somewhere and it seems to yeah. me if the, if you're going to start with any beginning canyoneering uh, hike again from the top down uh, man w- what a great way to start right yeah absolutely well and it's you know and it's great too because I think how the evolution goes is is you have this person who wants to be in the outdoors and one way to get out there is to hike. You hike these long distances, then you eventually get into backpacking and then you're like, well, now I want to go from like one side to another and I want to follow this water course and canyoneering is like usually the next step. And so canyoneering is, or at least the subway for that canyoneering experience is the introduction to all of those things. Right. You have you have a good sized hike, you're carrying a pretty heavy backpack, but then you also get to do the repels and you get to swim through water and you get to see these remote places where there is a limitation on how many people are in there each day. It's about 80 each day that the park service lets go in there. And that's including people from the bottom also coming from the top. So that could be, you know, one day, 10 people from the top are coming down and the 70 other people are going to be coming up from the bottom. Oh, that's interesting. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. So the park service, I mean, that's all the preservation and conservation idea behind it that they don't want to see a lot of impact on that because they know how precious of a gem that is to Zion, the subway is. And, so. that, and that water temperature for that swim, depending on the year? What, what, what Correct. Is, what's the range? Yeah, it's probably anywhere from like low 30s. <sighs> I've seen sections of it that can freeze, you know, waist-deep snow in some sections um, and things freezing. But then it would get up to about right. 60, 65 degrees right. during um, the on the lower parts of that stream that you're crossing over but i mean like on a hundred temperature day like in the middle of the summer that is like the only place you want to be that right. is the sanctuary there it's got to feel great into that cold water yeah well yeah. you know we're, we're water people and even the narrows which we'll talk about in a minute even that you know we we did not wear uh any type of uh wetsuit or dry suit we got after the first hundred yards then I forgot about it and got used to it. But then I'm used to swimming in cold water, and that's at least enough that I knew I was going to adjust to it at some point. But then again, 30 degrees, <laughs> that's a little uh, that's a little uh, Yeah, that's yeah, a little it's, it's chilly. So so <laughs> Subway, definitely uh, one of the favorite backcountry. Any any others that uh, that occurred to you in terms of something where you would overnight? Uh, and you oh, would need, yeah. yeah. What's some of your favorites there? Um, my favorite is the West Rim Trail and uh, it's yeah. one, have you heard about this one? Did you see much of it when you were here? We didn't do it, but we, so the West Rim Trail, if I remember correctly, you can, do you see part of it or you can pick up part of it from Angel's Landing or am I misremembering that? Yes. Okay, good. So, um, Angel's Landing is just the section on the trail where you're on the chains and you're on that nice edge where you have that 1,200 foot drop on one side, yep. 900 foot drop on the other. And it's about three quarters of a mile section. Everything else on that trail that you were hiking, that paved part with the switchbacks, um, Walter's Wiggles, that's yeah. all part of the West Rim Trail. Uh. And most people, when they do the West Rim Trail, it's about 14 miles and they do it as 
um, an introductory backpacking trip or simple overnight for two days. And you start at the top, which the trailhead is called Lava Point. And it's from Springdale. It's probably about an hour drive to get up there. And you go up a road that essentially bisects Zion in half. So you said that you did like the main canyon stuff, no Angels Landing, mm-hmm. and saw that whole main canyon where the shuttle buses are. Yep. And then you did the Kolob side where those cliffs are those really big, tall, deep red sandstone. Yeah. yeah. This road goes right between the two. Oh, I see. And that's where you start the West Rim. And uh, there's campsites along the way that you do have to get a permit for to camp at through the Park Service. And all of those permits, I should let you know this, like all those permits, you have to get through the National Park Service on their website. And it can be somewhat difficult to navigate. You have to know exactly what you're looking for to be able to find that permit on there. But um, and then but 14 miles is something that, you know, a hiker who somebody who vacations and hikes during those vacations, 14 miles doesn't necessarily seem like that much. And so it's a common one day trip as well. Okay. Um, And and. So just to be clear that uh, if I showed up at the park head visitor center and wanted a permit, I could not get one. I have to do it through the, or I just risk when I show up that day that they've all been quote sold out. Yeah. So how the details work. So if, you know, if you personally were going to go and try and get a permit, there's a few different ways you can do it. You can apply for a permit three months in advance on the day that you want to go do your hike. Um, and you apply online and it's a lottery system Mm. and you'll hear back from the park service, whether you got it or not. And you can start applying for, uh, or then start planning out the rest of your trip from there. Once you get the permit, there's also another one about two weeks in advance, um, that you can apply for the permit for some of those people who applied at three months and then changed their plans or they didn't accept it. Mm -hmm. Um, or there's availability. And then there's the last minute, like lottery, which is just the day before you want to go hike and, that's the walk-in. So what you were just describing, if you just wanted to walk into the visitor center and get a permit for the next day, there are some set aside for every hike for people to go hike or to get those permits that day but or the day before. It sounds like prepare. And uh, because if you show up that day, it could be a uh, you could risk getting shut out of the hike you wanted to go on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, well, well back to it. So that's a, uh, so that's a great uh the West Rim Trail, we, we had a, we had a view of that. We knew that was a piece of it. So great backcountry hike. Uh, now toggling to more kid-friendly hikes. So part you know part of the premise is you know Daniel and I have kids. I, we weren't there with kids. I was there with with um, high school buddies who have the maturity of kids. But generally speaking, when when you have uh, uh, when you're there with kids, what are some kid-friendly hikes? Or not just kid-friendly hikes, any kid-friendly activities that you would uh, that you would recommend? Yeah, man, like Zion is such a good attraction for families, in ranging from, you know, the adventurous kid that you know has band-aids all over his knees because he's <laughs> in yeah. the dirt all the time, all the way to you know infants who are still being carried in backpacks. Um, right. And so, some of the most popular hikes that are great where you don't necessarily have to get to a destination. It's more about the journey where you can stop and play in the water or see some wildlife, play in the sand, things like that. Um, that can entertain children for hours and hours and hours. Um, my top one would probably be Emerald pools. It's, um, it's about three and a half miles round trip. Uh, and there's, 
several spots along the way where you can dip your toes in the water as you cross over the trail. You can see frogs. You can hear the frogs. Um, there's rocks you can climb down and around. And um, you get to a good destination point where it's good for like a picnic or um, a good snack right there at the top at the upper Emerald Pools. They've also created it to where that trail system is you can turn around really at any point and go back. If, if if you don't make it to the end, no big whoop. There's still a lot of things to entertain yourselves along the way. Right, because there's three there's three pools falls uh, right. the way up, so you can pick whatever. One. And hasn't recently there was a rock uh, rock fall rock slide? Am I am I misremembering or a recent yeah. uh, event? Right? How has that yeah. affected the hike for Emerald Pools? It was like. In Zion that week, there were like seven rock falls. It was crazy. Really? <laughs> All the rocks got together and decided they were going to fall. Um, part of that is because of how much moisture we've received this year. We've oh. just received like record amounts of snow falling this year. Oh, wow. Um, and so the rock sandstone absorbs that water. And as it absorbs it, and then it freezes every night, that water's expanding, uh. creating you know, cracks in the rock and causing it to move. On the Emerald Pools Trail, particularly, a good chunk of that trail is on a layer of rock that is clay-based. And so when it gets wet, it moves even more. And the rock layer above that clay base is that you know hard sandstone, thick stuff called Navajo sandstone, and it dislodges. And so when that clay stuff moves, the bigger stuff above it starts to move, and that's when the big rocks start to fall. And so... They did, it did fall on the Emerald Pools. They closed part of it just because they knew there was some active fall, falling. But it's cleaned up now and it's open. It's cleared right out now. open. Okay. All right. And, and yep. in terms of the features, the fe- the pool features, everything is th- – that's still consistent? There, nothing, was, nothing was altered there? No, not from my understanding. I haven't been up there since the rock fall, but the park service was pretty good about getting it cleared out. It actually didn't destroy any part of the trail. It was just a threat of it. So they decided to close it anyway. Got it. Well, well, so Emerald pools. And one thing I wanted to chat with you about, um, not only as a, uh, an, a partisan for Zion national park, but also in your professional guys is, uh, working for the Zion adventure company is the narrows hike. So we did, uh, my buddies and I, we did the narrows hike, from the bottom, and we did, uh, we, you know, we did all what is it, ten miles. Uh, we we went up yeah. to the part where then you needed a permit, and then we went back. We, oh, nice! Yeah, no, it was great, and we did the we did it the you know the right way, the recommended way is we went we went early. We were the first or second bus up uh, on the shuttle, went out, came back. Now, yeah, this is what I wanted to talk to you about as an as an outfitter. What uh, what we, where you were ubiquitous as we saw, especially as the day wore on, and we turned around and came back. Uh, more people were on the trail hiking up, and we saw a lot of the dry suits and the boots, and we saw a lot of. So the good news is we saw a lot of uh, we saw a lot of families uh, doing the hike. Yeah. At the same time, so we saw well prepared families, and, and at the same time, we also saw, which stunned me. Uh, you know, I remember clear, there was a, a, a family where uh, the mom was in a sundress and sandals. And the dad and and the the dad had, you know sneakers and shorts and their kids were on their shoulders, and again I'm, I'm yeah. with you I'm with you I, you know our kids we uh I don't mind scraped knees and falling down and getting dirty 
so they're not overly sheltered at all. But that had me nervous. So I, I'm I'm definitely again leading the <laughs> jury here. But I'd love your professional opinion on how to be very thoughtful about the narrows. If 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 yeah, that was planning to go. Yeah, I mean the narrows is one that attracts a lot of people because when you travel to Zion and you have your experiences and you go home and you talk to your friends and your family about your trip, your friends and family are going to ask two questions. Did you hike the narrows and did you do angels landing? Yeah. And (laughs) it's pretty satisfying to be able to say yes to both of those questions. Um, and so angels landing, or I mean, um, the narrows to, that was like the original idea when Zion adventure company was created that that's essentially the whole basis a couple of the owners before they were the owners hiked into the narrows and they were like, this is somewhat miserable. Like we're thinking about our feet or thinking about my own body instead of really enjoying the essence of what the narrows has to offer. Yeah. So being able to create something that is specific to that hike changes my opinion of it. Like the right gear does matter. Um, and especially for kids when like the longevity or the attention span, um, is so short anyway. And if you can put them in something that's comfortable where they don't have to worry about their feet getting cold or their hands getting cold, um, it's going to be a better experience for everyone. Same for me too. If my feet get cold, I turn fussy and I, nobody wants to be around me either. So (laughs) when, when it comes to the right equipment, it's like your feet are important. Um, your core is important. So you want to keep your, you know, your, your core warm. Um, so you can enjoy a lot of that experience. It's not just the cold, in, in, in my opinion. What we didn't anticipate, we anticipated the cold, uh, cold water. What I didn't anticipate, for whatever reason, is it's not sure footing. So, you know, ah, the, the water, yeah. it, you know, it's a, it's a rushing river, right? And so there's, you can't see your footfalls. And right. there are rounded stones everywhere of varying sizes. So uh, that, that's what I didn't anticipate. And, you know, we had water shoes, but uh, clearly weren't those water shoes weren't the right shoes to have because... I uh, got it. And we, we did fine. We made it. It was, you know, thankfully we made it without any any grievous injury. Uh, but, you know, there was a few times <laughs> where I took a step thinking that that's where the step was going to be and then I'm up to my waist. Uh, or there was a time I took a step and, uh, you know, the ankle rolled just a little bit that if, if I, uh, you know, yeah. something was not done the right way i could have you know it could have been a twisted ankle or worse that's what i didn't anticipate so uh, even going there with water shoes and water socks thinking well, right, I'm, I'm fine uh yeah i felt as though we were under prepared and so getting back to that family i saw just rolling in 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 tevas and uh tevas and your adidas <laughs> you know st- <laughs> yeah. your, your, your stan with smith children on your shoulders <laughs> your stan smith tennis shoes yeah it was that that's what i was getting at that that shocked me but i, I have a feeling that happens all of the time yeah absolutely i, I mean somebody described it beautifully it's like walking on slippery bowling balls the yeah, entire exactly. time well said yeah well said that's <laughs> and, exactly what it's like <laughs> and you're walking against a water current yeah and you're um, and like in the busier parts of the year, like the time that you were there, the end of September, the beginning of October, a lot of good temperatures are in the forecast. And so you're fighting people too, just trying to get to, from one spot to another. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the shoes particularly that we rent out have a rock climbing rubber on the bottom. So they're sticky and they stick to those rocks a little bit better. They also have some ankle support. So yeah. You're not rolling your ankle left and right. Um, but 
like the when it comes to the right equipment it's just so important I, th- I think everyone has experienced something where um you've gone in ill prepared because the equipment is not right like you're walking you don't you have a walking stick um and in the, the narrows that's a crucial part of it i love my little walking stick when yeah. i go into the yeah. narrows um to test out how deep that pool is before i commit to it right which clearly get up I, to my neck in depth <laughs> clearly I, I didn't have and so that's why i was surprised every yeah night. and so for the for, yeah. for kids and adults but especially for kids the boots the dry suit, the walking stick, kind of, you know, and I came around, it's kind of essential, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, I I wouldn't go in there without it. And I'd be offended if any one of my family members went through without any of that equipment as well. Well, Um, and and so, so then therefore the narrows becomes a kid friendly hike, right? I think that's, that's what activates. Yeah. And again, you know, we did all 10 miles. One does not have to do that. There's so many great features. Yeah. Would you recommend at least trying to make it to Wall Street and back? Would that be would that totally? Um, And like Wall Street, and even if you don't make it to Wall Street, it's still like such a fantastic place. You are in the heart of the Southwest. There, that is like all of the veins of of Zion coming into one giant canyon. Big tall walls, things like that. Our our, and we mentioned this in the prior podcast, but our uh, our special moment was we had great weather, but then uh, on the way back, a squall moved in, and you know dumped on us for I don't I can't remember ten minutes or so. But what happened was all these secret waterfalls started coming out the side <laughs> of the canyon, and it was beautiful. It was fantastic. And, yeah. and if we had not had that squall at that wherever we were. We wouldn't have seen those features, and I imagine that you know, if we were in another spot, we would have seen other features, other waterfall features. So that was that was pretty special. And so, in some regards, I was pretty lucky we got rained on. That was that was all. Yeah, Yeah. I'm glad that you did too. Like Zion becomes a whole different beast when it starts to rain. There are thousands of waterfalls that appear out of all of the nooks and crannies, and um, yeah, if you're willing to be out there in the rain, and if you're in a safe environment, safe place. That is some of the best waterfall yeah. watching that I think one can experience. So, so we've we've managed to make uh, the Narrows kid friendly. What are some of the other kid friendly hikes that you would recommend? Um, there's most of the hikes inside of the park, as you experienced, are paved, and they were paved like back in the 30s. Um, and so it's not like the ground is extremely variable on most of the hikes in Zion. Yeah. So. Um, if you've got a pretty adventurous family that can do plenty of miles and you want to get to some really good viewpoint, Observation Point is one of my favorites. It's about eight miles round trip. Um, but there's several different, I think I already used this again, but used this before, but chapters of of the geology around here. You get to go through a slot canyon. You get to go up switchbacks. Um, you get to deal with some exposure where you're pretty high up. Mm. Um, and then you also get to travel in, back into what feels the back country where there's not a lot of people. It's really remote. You can hear the birds chirping and the frogs chirping and um, getting up to a point where you're almost a thousand feet higher than Angel's Landing. Yeah. Yeah. It seems um, most people opt for, we did too, opt, you know, we had the choice and we, we went over it just that, you know, we weren't with kids. But we said oh, Angel's Landing or Observation Point. And like you said before, you know, we wanted to make sure we checked the box for both the Narrows and Angel's Landing. So we, 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 uh, punted on Observation Point, but I, I think to, to your point, if you want to, 
if you want to with your family, get away from people. And uh, observation points, uh, something to do without having to drive around. You take the shuttle and you and you and you just you're off. So I, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and that one too has another option. It has an offshoot called Hidden Canyon, which does have some of the chains on it that you would encounter is similar to angels landing without the knife's edge. So you're still climbing along, you know, a cliff's edge and you get into a Canyon and there's a natural arch up in there and there's rocks you can scramble on. It's probably one of the most interactive hikes you can go on with kids. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it with somebody who's carrying a child on a backpack. Yeah. Um, but for a kid that's like, you know, eight to 12 years old, that is, you know, really exploring their independency that's a really great hike for them to go and experience. Um, what about, so, yeah. What about if we're, if you, if you leave the scenic drive area and you go to another part of the park, anything there that you think that the, uh, the family, yeah, the kids would and, like? um, on the contrary. So, you know, observation point is a lot of miles. You've got a lot of features there. It's just a lot of meat that's going on there on the other side of the park. We call it the East side where um, you go through, if you're going from Springdale, you're going up a couple switchbacks along State Road 9 that goes through the park, mm-hmm. through a tunnel. And on, immediately after that tunnel, there's a couple parking lots with a pit toilet. And that's actually the trailhead to Canyon Overlook, which when my, when my nephews come to visit, um, that, this is like the first stop we got to go to. It's only about a mile. So it's the complete opposite of right. observation point as far as distance goes. But it has, like, in my opinion, some of the most best features of any hike in Zion slammed into this one-mile round-trip hike. Can you explain um, some of the differences in the topography between the east uh, part of the park and then the main scenic drive canyon area? Because there are oh, some yeah, differences, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah, well, and I'm glad you asked about that. The So the canyon, the main canyon where the Narrows is, where Angel's Landing is, Observation Point, Emerald Pools, all of those hikes that I've mentioned so far, you're in the bottom of a canyon following along the Virgin River, looking up at these big cliffs where you can see, you know, how cracks are formed. You may be able to see rock climbers up there um, on those walls. But essentially, you're in the bottom looking up. On the east side, you get on once you enter through the tunnel, it's more like, it's like scoops of ice cream. They're just, you know, somewhat softer, much gentler, um, features that you're looking at. And they've seen, you know, a different, they're seeing all the same erosion, but the rock has just eroded a little bit differently. And it's, you know, you get, you still have these canyons and you still have some vegetation that you get to look at, but the rock is much more fragile and so you step on some of the rock and it'll break underneath your feet. And so um, the cliffs aren't quite as big, but the, the magnificence is just a t- different style. It's, it's just much more yeah. gradual and softer. And so what Canyon Overlook is, is that trail is, it's like right at, it's on that fence line where you get to see the deep, dark canyon of the main scenic drive where you can still see the virgin river and you get to see these magnificent cliffs, but you're walking on the East side. So you're, you know, in, in that ice cream (laughs) where it's, but, but you get like cliff edges, you get chains, you get bridges, you get springs. Um, this is a popular spot for like sunrises and sunsets as well, where you get to see the highlights of, you know, the sun color 
or have the sun rays on a lot of those cliffs. And, and that's what's great about Zion is you, if you go to, if you take the time to go to different areas of the park, which aren't that far away, uh, suddenly you get a different contrast, and it's a it's a yeah. great way to change. The, it, not that I would ever get sick of the canyon and the and the scenic drive, but it's a great way to. We didn't make it to the east side, and that's that's for the next go around. But you know, when we went up to, and again, forgive me, Kolob. Yes, you did it, Kolob. I, Kolob, I did it. <laughs> uh, you know, again, to see a little bit more, uh, see a little bit more timber, right? To see, and it was cool. Yeah. And for us, it was cooler up there, and. Going back to kid-friendly hikes, we did the, what is it, Taylor Creek Middle Fork hike. That's and a great one. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, for a kid, you know, cr- crisscrossing uh, the stream back and forth is a lot of fun. And then, you know, the cabins that were there that the original yeah. settlers had, just letting your imagination, you know, not only as a kid, letting your <laughs> imagination run wild, but also as a parent saying, all right, kids, think about what it would take to scratch out a living back here. And uh, and how and and what these pioneers <laughs> did to survive, uh, yeah, would be a fun thing too. So I, I, again, I, not to lead not to lead the witness here, but uh, I thought that was also that's a great thing about Zion as well as uh, yeah. You, you well, and I appreciate contrast. yeah, I appreciate you brought up the Kolob side, like the you know the scenic drive that main part of the canyon sees millions of people every year. The Kolob side that you're talking about sees hundreds of thousands. It's like just significantly less people actually get to experience that. And I find it more of a history lesson back in the Kolob because that is where a lot of, like you said, like a lot of those ruins are back there and they're accessible. Yeah. And so it's great to be able to see it and actually hear the story about it. So well, that that's probably one of the better places to avoid the crowds, in my opinion, is up on the Kolob side because it's just hidden. You know, we, we anticipated that, and but we had mismanaged our own expectations because when we went up there uh, on our hikes, we saw maybe five people. But in our minds, we thought we would be the only ones up there. So we, we felt, oh, there's five people up here. Then we had to reassess and say, there are only five other people up here. Settle down. <laughs> this is amazing. You know, this is this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing, and of course we're there to share to share everything. Well, the 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 last thing I wanted to to get your opinion on, and this is something on the forefront of our minds. Uh, Daniel and I just got back from uh, Yellowstone and the Tetons right before Christmas, so we got to see. Oh, nice! Yeah, so we got to see Yellowstone at Christmas, which gives you a perspective on. Look, seeing the you know it's like seeing a new park when you can go add in a different season. So going back to, to Zion, uh, you know, we were there late summer. What are, what are some of the special parts about the four seasons that you think you could, you could, you know, give us a hint on. So what, what would entice one to go in spring or in winter or, or in the <laughs> fall? What, what, what do you think is pretty special about it? Obviously summer's, yeah. summer's probably, I'm assuming your, your super busiest time, but uh, so I don't think we need to convince people that right. summer's the time to go, but what do you think makes it special <laughs> the other three seasons? Yeah, the well, Zion, you actually get to see all four seasons. And so the winter time, particularly this winter, we've seen a lot of snow. Most of the peaks have had snow on them since uh, since Christmas, since before Christmas. And um, to have that contrast of that bright white and that deep orange on the ca- on the canyon walls is phenomenal. Yeah. 
just just aesthetically it's gorgeous it looks like a totally different place um especially when a storm comes through and you've got those low-lying clouds it's like all of the all of the cliffs have little mustaches of white clouds on them um so aesthetically it's absolutely gorgeous and stunning and it's extremely slow there's nobody here a lot of the restaurants close um bed and breakfasts aren't really open there is no free shuttle going on and so a lot of the way to get around town is by walking yeah and then once you get into the park it's the one time of the year where you can drive to whatever trailhead you want to get to in the scenic drive and up on the east side and even into the Kolob side of the park as well and so you you have that luxury of you know getting started whenever you want driving your own vehicle listening to your own tunes or podcasts and getting to do those hikes for as long as you would like to coming back to your own vehicle with your own amenities in there. I saw what you did um, there. Nice plug. So I saw what you Yeah, did. you're welcome. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and so I, and I assume that uh, then it becomes snowshoeing and cross-country skiing. And so the trails, whether it's something like the Paris Trail, the Watchman Trail, that's just a trail now you can, I guess, snowshoe or, or do some cross-country skiing. How, how does that all work? Yeah, I'm, so we don't get as much snow as, you know, northern Utah where you see, you oh, know, okay. just feet and feet of snow. We get a dusting here in Springdale and it'll stick around for a couple of days typically. Um, if we get a big storm, there may be some snow um, for a week or a couple of weeks. But in the higher elevations, like the West Rim Trail, you would want to take snowshoes um, and cross-country skis to get up there. It's a pretty steep trail, so cross-country skis seem like somewhat of a terrible idea um, yeah, okay. to get some <laughs> uh, mass amounts of speed with, right. and therefore become uncontrolled. But, um, yeah, so like the Paw Roos, the Watchmen, anything in the main canyon right now, it, snowshoes really aren't necessary. Okay. Uh, right. Most of the trails are covered in ice, maybe even up to like two or three inches worth of ice. And there's ice falling from the walls and things like that on warmer temperature days where the snow is or the ice is melting. So what we recommend is taking out, you know, you do need some sort of traction on your feet when you're on ice. So we rent out like micro spikes and little traction for your shoes that you can just slip on over to give you a little extra of that friction. So you're not slipping and falling all over the place. so, so bruising your bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially on ice, right? So <laughs> yeah. So, so winter we get we get kind of the parks to ourselves, and we get which is a treat also to drive in the park to the trailhead and not. Although the shuttle system's great, you don't have to worry about the shuttle system. What are right? What are some of the great things about spring and then fall in the park? Well, spring is when you know all of those trees are starting to bud. It's the snow is still is starting to melt. The spring can be somewhat of a challenging time to to predict what kind of equipment you need. Um, cause you may have days that are like seventies, maybe even close to 80 degrees. And then you also still have those days that are still hitting in like the 30 degree, yeah. 40 degree time. So you just come prepared with everything right. during that time. Um, particularly the narrows, uh, that hike can be questionable in the spring because as the snow is melting in those higher elevations, I mean, water will follow the path of least resistance and continue to travel to lower elevations. And the Virgin River, which is the river you're walking in in the Narrows, is going to see all of that water. Yeah. And it closes after a certain level because it becomes too dangerous. And so 
um, the springtime is where we get a lot of that snow melt. And it's possible that the Narrows is closed during that time. Right. And and I imagine it's also the park. There's a lot of mud. Get prepared for mud, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's part of it, <laughs> Definitely. Right? Yep. And then, and because we get, we get, you know, spring showers as well. Um, and so being prepared with rain jackets and things like that, but you think you get to see those waterfalls like you got to experience yeah. when you were here too. That's what I'm saying. The positive side so. water features are probably resplendent and pretty consistent for the, uh, for the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the spring is also wildflowers. Like oh, they, they start wow. coming in too, which is nice. I know that death Valley this last year had what they call a super bloom. And we got to see some of that, but just not to the extent that death Valley did just because I think of where we're located. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the spring we get a lot of those, you know, yellows and purples or blues and, and a handful of those red wildflowers around as well starting to spring up which is really fun at the lower um, elevation so by the virgin river uh-huh. or or how far up yeah they go? yeah lower elevation okay and then higher elevation for wildflowers that's the summer season and then we have another wildflower season uh, like a second bloom in the fall oh, okay. where you get more of those oranges and whites um and a handful of those little reds as well around but um all of the trails have I mean, Zion is pretty vegetated. It's a little lying vegetation for the most part, which is a great, you know, breeding ground for a lot of those wildflowers. So you're going to find wildflowers on really any trail that you go to, especially if you're keeping your eye out. You'll probably even see some really rare ones. So we were there late September, uh, early October uh, for shoulder season, and we got we saw certainly a lot of. Uh, flora out there and especially very colorful flora i, I don't know enough to be uh, to, to tell what kind of wildflowers they were but <laughs> it, i think we got a, I think we got a taste of that in the fall when, when does your fall start generally speaking um well we start to see like the colors of the riparian zones like the cottonwood trees and a bunch of the oaks start to turn um typically in october Late October, first part of November is when they're peaking. And that, you know, that also depends on, you know, what the summer looked like that year, yeah. how hot it got, stuff like that. But for the most part, that's the time when things are peaking. Yeah. And um, so you're, you're still getting those wildflowers, but you're also getting the change of the leaves as well. When do you think, and so last question, when do you think is the best time where the weather is going to cooperate again there's we've already discovered that you know you can adjust to whatever weather and the crowds have dissipated so those shoulder seasons when do you think so kind of your your sweet spot time where if you want to recommend someone to go and avoid crowds but get all the features they can what what do you think that would be yeah um that's a tough one because i mean that's going to be really any time is going to be great winter time is extremely slow compared to the summertime but it does take a lot more planning, a lot more equipment to come during the winter time. I think what I would say is right around that September, October time. October is actually one of our busiest months because oh, really? not only are we getting people have discovered that, you know, the temperatures are really nice, but we get a lot of artists in town too. Oh. So like photographers and painters and um so so we see a lot of those types of crowds as well. But um, September, I think, is nice just because you're still going to run into people, um, but a good chunk of the families, all, all the kids are in school now. 
um, you get the crowds where, you know, it's couples or it's smaller crowds where people have actually planned a good chunk of their year for this experience in September. So, um, I, I like the temperatures in September. They're still in like the nineties and the occasional hundreds, but, um, it's, the days are getting a little bit shorter, so it's getting cooler towards the end of the day and a little bit cooler, longer, cooler temperatures in the morning as well. well so that, well, it sounds like, well, it sounds like we, uh, and look, this, that, that was the, uh, especially with all of us with kids, you know, we had the one weekend where all of our schedules lined up was that weekend, but it sounds like we nailed it because we, uh, we didn't get into the nineties, but, uh, it was certainly into the seventies and, uh, and eighties. And then, uh, at night yeah. it, it was sweater weather, but it was, it was perfect. It was so, I, it sounds like we may have, uh, backed into based on our schedules, backed into a perfect time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, depending on how long our flash flood season goes on too, it can taper off into August. Usually it's like the end of June all the way to like mid August or so is a good chunk of our flash flood season. And that gives a lot of scare to people of going into the narrows and things like that. But we're also seeing our big numbers during that time. So just after that, where you don't have to worry about it, it lessens the stress. Yeah. Yeah. I think you did. I think you timed it. Perfect. Well, that's a that's a great that's a great uh, that's a great compliment to <laughs> to end on. I you know Bailey, we really appreciate your time. Uh, uh, Bailey Schofield with uh, Zion Adventure Company. Thanks very much for your time and your insights. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at the at the store, and looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, the yeah, I'd love to see your face come on in through those doors again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bailey. Really appreciate it. So yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links and show notes for this episode on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.